soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. Real wealth, real equity with God is to be at peace with God, to be content with God, and to just be enjoying the relationship with God. What could be of greater wealth than having a relationship with the living God and knowing he cares about every little detail of your life? Nothing. There are people who lay in bed and they think about everyone trying to take their money. I remember going to lunch one time with a multimillionaire, and uh, he was laughing about certain things, and he said, the problem with having a ton of money is everyone wants to spend it for you, and they all have an opinion of how it could be spent. And he said, I'll tell you what the greatest problem about having a lot of money is. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you lay in bed thinking about who's trying to take it from you. No kidding. I never did that. (laughs) I've lost sleep for a lot of reasons, but I never lost sleep thinking about who's trying to take my money. (laughs) Yeah. Take heed of covetousness. Man, be be, be rich toward God. Now we read on. Jesus is going to expand on this. He says in verse 22, Therefore he said to disciples, Therefore I say... To you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider, okay, so think about it. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So in other words, they don't have savings accounts and, you know, mutual funds and all these, you know, CDs and stuff like that in the bank. Just consider the ravens. Like, God takes care of them. Verse 25. And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory, and by the way, Solomon, we're told in the Old Testament, was the richest man on the planet in his day. Even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things, the nations of the world, that that would be like the lost, you know, uh, uh, seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. So here, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount content, Jesus talks about being anxious for nothing. He's saying, look, God, the flowers do what they do every spring because they do what they do. And God has put them in order. The birds are taken care of because God takes care of them. God's got it. God has his universe under control, and the apple of his eye in the universe is this planet. This is where he sent his son to redeem the entire universe from the consequence of death and decay. And the crown jewel of the universe is humanity, made in his image with the capacity to worship and know God personally and have that relationship. He's the initiator of relationships between himself and humanity created in his image. And he loves us. He knows the hairs on our head. He cares for us. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins to have that relationship. 
And if we think about parental love and how much we as our parents, as parents, love our children, it's immeasurable compared to his love for us. Now, God loves all humanity, but for those that have given their life to him through faith in the Son, we're told there in Romans 8 that we're, we're joint heirs with Christ. We've been adopted into the family. So we have that adoption experience where we pass from in Adam, all sin and die. But in the second Adam in Christ, all are made alive. And we are outside the promises. We're outside the covenant. We are foreigners. And we were not part of those things. But we now become the family of God and the children of God and the people of covenant. And we are in the estate. And it's amazing because he literally uses the legal terms that we're in the estate. We're in the trust. We're literally in the estate and in the trust. Now, some of you might have an estate or a living trust. Some of you might be in someone's estate or a living trust. You might be in a will and you might be due to get something somewhere down the road. Interesting enough, years ago, a good man that we loved very much, Floyd Harani. He's been with the Lord for some time now. He just loved me and Jennifer. Oh, when we, when we first got married and went on staff at Calvary Costa Mason, Jennifer was 21 and I was 26. Floyd just loved us. He got saved at 55. Lebanese, Lebanese background. Got saved at 55. A vile man became a strong man in the Lord. He just loved the kids at Calvary Chapel Vista, 885 East Vista Way in the 80s. It's a good man. He loved us. When we lost our son, he took it so hard. And I mentioned the memorial today that my mom was the one that sends a card every year for Jesse's memory. But I do need to mention on a follow-up for those that were here, because I said she's the only one that ever like, acknowledges the loss of our son that way. But Floyd Harani did send us cards, and he always talked about Jesse. And he would start to talk about Jesse, and he would just get choked up. He carried that burden with us. You know, earlier today we were talking about that. He carried that burden yeah, Nick, he carried it. Like, he'd see me, and he'd start crying. He, he carried it. When he passed, we were in his estate. We didn't even know it. So was Brian Broderson. Randomly, at a time when we really needed it, we received a pretty generous gift from Floyd Horani after he stepped into eternity. He believed in us. He trusted in the ministry. This was after we were here in Orange County. Our kids benefited from it. A man who got saved, who had an eternal vision. He wrote us cards when we were in Virginia. He wrote us in Vermont. He's one of those few people that wrote us in both those areas at that time in our life. We came back to North County in the 90s, and Floyd was there, older, loved the Lord, loved us, went to be with Jesus, had us in his trust, in his estate. Me and Brian Broderson, a few others too. It's just the way he did it, and it was a blessing. And I think what a blessing that was to not know that that was there and then receive that for time, space, and matter of the temporal and to need that and to use that wisely. That was because that was during the time I was on staff at Big Calvary and it was very helpful with the kids at that time in their life. But what's amazing to me is that we're in the estate with God. We are in his trust. For all the promises of God are yes, yes, or no, no, and there's no shadow of turning. Like, we have a living trust and it's our kids and it's like that, but... We're all in his trust. We're all in the will. We step into eternity. It says that we are joint heirs with Christ in Romans chapter 8. And we don't call, we don't say God over there. We call him Abba Father. Abba Father. Personal, relational, 
and we're in the trust. So if our Father, who has us in the eternal living trust to have riches for us in the ages to come throughout all another dimension to reveal the glories of his riches and his kindness and his mercy and his goodness toward us, if he's got that for us on that side of the next dimension, we can trust him for what he has for us on this side of this dimension. If we've got all the promises of God for the entire universe through his son, Jesus Christ, who did not withhold his son and sent in his son, and by this we know love, if we have all that love demonstrated for us, or are yet enemies of God, he sent his son to die for us, to reconcile us to him and be saved, but not just saved, not just to pass from death to life, but to pass from judgment to righteousness, but not just if that's not enough, but to put us in the trust in the estate and give us all the riches for all eternity through our faith in him and his son and what he's done for us. That's what God has for us on that side of the next dimension. So if he's got that for us and all the promises are yes, yes, he doesn't say, hey, you're in the trust, you get to eternity, just joking. That's what people do. We we used to joke. My mom, if I didn't do what she wanted me to do, she'd go like, well, you're out of the will. (laughs) That's actually funny, you should be laughing. Because that's pretty funny. Like, you got to know, like, yeah, it's like, again, that's clean, pure Catholic humor. You're out of the will because you're not doing what I'm telling you to do. It says, honor your father and your mother. You're going to be out of the will. Okay, mom. And then I do something good. She say, I put you back in the will. Of course, I never went in or out of the will, but it was just like her way of being like, you're, you know, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. You got to laugh, man. We're human beings. God's not like that. He doesn't say you're in and then you show up and you're out. He's the father of light in whom there's no shadow of turning. And he promises to meet all of our needs. And it's not about the money, the food, or the clothing. It's about the heart. And that's why the the synonymous passage of this in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Sufficient is the trouble for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. And we do have anxiety. We do get anxious. How are we going to do this? Oh, my goodness. You know, like, life happens, right? I keep telling all the parents whose kids are moving toward college age and mine are all past college age. Like, man, it does not get cheaper. It gets way more expensive. You know how how much it costs to insure a teenage male driver? Oh, wait till your boy's 16 or 17 and you got to pay for his car insurance. And you get a couple of fender benders going with teenage drivers. Oh, cha-ching, cha-ching. AAA, Allstate, rack them. You know, it's like cha-ching. It doesn't get cheaper. College is expensive. Life is expensive. And then you have animals too, right? I always tell Jeremy, don't do it. He, he can't though because, you know, I'm like, listen, man. You just never know when your dog's going to cost you $800. Like, $800. Like, it was there. We just put the money there, and now it's down there at the vet. It went to money heaven. And you try and convince your dog, like, how special they are and how much you've done for them, and they just still want people food and to go for a walk. Yeah. Life happens, and life is expensive. All the promises of God are yes, yes. And he meets our needs, and he's going to meet our needs. And our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. 
And it's about not being anxious, but trusting him. Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, we like to understand everything, right? But it surpasses understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. They say that a vast majority of sicknesses are brought on by anxiety and worry and stress over fear of things that will never happen but could happen. The more you can live in the moment in faith in Jesus Christ, the far better and more enjoyable our lives will be. Let me say that again. Because the key to high performance in athletics, when you study elite athletes at the highest level, your Kobe Bryant's, your LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, these type of people, go like Michael Phelps, how they're always at their best, Tiger in his day, at their very best when their best is needed. The key, the great key to the mystery of it all is they are simply in the moment. They're not worried about the failure that happened five, second, five minutes ago on, on the ninth hole. They're focused on this chip shot on the 10th hole. They're not worried about the interception in the second quarter. They're focused on this drive in the fourth quarter. They stay in the moment. They're not ahead of themselves like, what happens when we need two scores in the fourth quarter? Let's focus on the first down we, we need right now with the hurry-up offense and no timeouts. You see, in studying the highest level of high-performance athletics, which I do with the U.S. Olympic Committee in the training that I go through in coaching development, it all comes back to being in the moment. Not what happened that went wrong just one minute ago or what could go wrong or what needs to go right one minute from now. It's about staying in the very moment. I think this is what we do when we go for the gold with Team USA, but this is what Paul meant when he said, all run but not all win, run to win. We stay in the moment. Life is a marathon in most cases, and if we're on the 17th mile, you cannot worry about the strength and what you need in the gas tank on the 19th mile. And if you'll hit the wall and get through it, you need to stay in that moment. And if you look at what Jesus says here about God's providing, God's provision, is we just need to stay in the moment. Sufficient is this day. And God is good, and God does good, and he does good all the time, and he's got our back, and he's going to meet our needs. We don't ever have to doubt that. So it always comes back to faith, and that is why he says in verse 28, how much more will he clothe you of little faith? So Faith is the issue of having faith in the person of Jesus Christ, in the character of God, in the promises of God, who he is, where he's at, what he's done, and what he's going to do. We've, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread in the gates of the city. It's never about the wealth. It's about the heart, and it's about the relationship. If you need to pay your taxes, he can put the coin in the mouth of the fish and tell you to go catch that fish, and there's the coin. He just laughs, like, really? Yeah, really, because it's not about the money. It's about the heart and faith in God. God needs to be our provider. When people give in church and it's about giving or tithing, it's, it's not, I always say this, it's not a legal thing. It's just, it's just trusting God. I mean, God says, just put me to the test. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You want to sow sparingly, you can reap sparingly. I've, I've sowed sparingly, and I've reaped sparingly. I've sowed bountifully, and I've reaped bountifully. You live long enough, it begins to come back to you, what you can see some in time, space, and matter, but for sure, what you're going to see on that side of the trust in the eternity, who knows how great that sowing will be. But it's never, like, 
God loves a cheerful giver, Paul the Apostle said, so we don't give begrudgingly. And that's kind of the acid test for me and Jeremy or just in my life. Do I want, you know, because there's a lot of people that want you to give and you might feel begrudging to give. I'm like, if I feel begrudging, I don't, I'm not going to give. But if I want to give, I'll give. That's kind of the thing. Like, do I, is this something I want to be part of? Do I want to, do we want, do I individually want to be a part of this need? Do, do we as a church collectively want to be a part of this need? Let's, so bountifully, that's, so we, we do that. But we never want to sow begrudgingly. We recently had someone solicit this church for, for money, and they, and they came and really imposed themselves and put themselves on us. And we just said, you know what? We, don't, we just don't feel called to do this. You know? And if we did this, we'd be doing it just to get this person to leave us alone. And it's kind of begrudging. Nah, you know, I, just, I don't feel like this is us. We're not, we're not feeling this. When we're feeling it, we'll, we'll sow very bountifully. When we're feeling it. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, what I don't like to do is give money to the government. Can I get a witness? Yeah. I'm always afraid when the accountant has everything, I'm just waiting, wait for it. I always do my taxes early, by the way. I just, I'm just that way. As soon as I get everything, first week of February, I got everything, like, there it is. Wait for it. It's a 760, Eddie Hill down there in Vista. Wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, here it comes. He always needs something more, and then he, we get it. And it's like, but... I do give everything that I owe. Now, that's paying taxes. When we give to the Lord and we sow bountifully in his name, it's not paying taxes. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, look, give Caesar what's his. Oh, that's Caesar's. Give it to him. Yeah, that's Caesar's. Yeah. Right? Whose face on it? Right? Render to Caesar things that are Caesar. Render to God the things that are God. We all have our own journey. Each individual has their own journey and how they trust in the Lord for, to meet their needs. How they trust... Or they're going to be anxious for the Lord to meet their needs. Every married couple has to come to a place of unity, how they're going to trust in the Lord for God to meet their needs, or if they're going to worry about these things. But I've never seen, I agree with David, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. I've been squeezed tight, but that's between us and the Lord. There's lessons in that. There are, you know, I spent a whole year in Vermont to learn the value of a soul and leading one person to the Lord. I also spent a year in Vermont to learn the value of minimum wage. Because it will put food on the table as opposed to not. There's different things that God teaches us value on. It's a balance of frugality and faith when you're dealing with money. But God knows what you need. Let me say that again. Father, Abba Father, knows what we need. He's got our back. Earthly parents love to, do, to bless their children, especially when the children are adults and they're trying, like they're making good decisions. You know, it's always easier to support an adult child that's making good decisions because you feel like you're part of the process of going forward. If you have adult children who don't make good decisions, that's kind of tough. I recently told someone, no one wants a 23-year-old male living in their house that doesn't work. Oh, it's hard to do this. No, it's hard to get kicked out of your house by your parents when you're 23 because you won't get a job. That's harder than what you think is hard, right? It's real life. I mean, we just call things the way they are. Our Father knows what we need. It's never about the money. It's about the heart. And it's about seeking first the kingdom and having that time in prayer, that time in the word, receiving what God is saying. God, you got this, okay? Like, you've got this. And I've never seen his descendants forsaken or begging for bread. The righteous forsaken and his descendants of the righteous begging for bread. God has our back. There's no reason to be anxious. 
Seek the Lord, get perspective. The whole trust is over there. You know, it's funny too, because you find in time, space, and matter that people know they're in a trust or in a state or will. And like, man, you know, like you love the people, but if they step into eternity, everyone gets something. It's like, it's kind of a weird thing, you know, and if you're older, you understand this, but you just, there's nothing guaranteed. You're very, you, you'd be very foolish to count on any money coming from anybody other than this day what God has for you because God's promised no one tomorrow. He said through James, you who say we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we'll receive this and that. You know, I just say if we live, this is what we're gonna do today. If the Lord wills. It's in the moment. Us and the Lord today. You and the people you love with the Lord today. And being faithful to the stewardship he's entrusted to you. It's in the moment today. And it's about not being anxious, but trusting God. And knowing that God is good. You are good. You are good and your love endures. And he, he's going to meet our needs. He's got everything on that side, but he's teaching his character on this side. And if he wants to bless bountifully, good. Be very wise with it. If he wants to squeeze you, Accept it like a woman of God, a man of God, and figure out what he wants you to learn and be like the widow and put your last nickel in that offering because that woman had a greater reward than the people who gave out of their abundance. Amen? Yeah. One final thought. Verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the real key thought, obviously already talking about seeking first the kingdom and not having a spirit of fear about God's provision. You know, verse 33 is classic because throughout church history, there's been different groups and movements where people do that. They literally give everything away and try and live a faith of total dependency. And it has proven to... It's proven itself in, in many cases uh, under those circumstances. But the context really is just about trusting the Lord as our provider. And I love verse 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we'll close with this thought. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. If we take deep roots in time, space, and matter and to tear down barns and build bigger barns, and all these possessions, and that's our perspective and our driving force, that somehow there's enough there so we can say soul be at ease. That is a very precarious place to be. It's funny because, you know, not long ago I got the retirement books. You know, you look out for a book on retirement. <laughs> yeah, you walk in any bookstore on books on retirement, there's a whole rack. They're just looking for baby boomers that want to buy books on retirement. There's lots of them. Everyone's got opinion. Well, you know, this return. And, you know, and, and I got, the more I read, the more I got confused. It was retirement made simple, and I was like more confused by the time I was, I'm more confused than ever. I just got to go back to what I've had, the Calvary, Calvary plan. Trust in the Lord, wait for the rapture, and try not to be caught off guard. <laughs> it's worked pretty good for 30 years. <laughs> You know, and, and I've got the ultimate safety net. Hannah says, don't worry, Daddy, I'll always take care of you. But then Luke says the same thing, too. I think Timmy and Lee have said it. I have to say that. They're here tonight. They're here tonight. I think they've said it. Actually, Timmy's going, I never said that. <laughs> Hannah's like, don't worry, Daddy. We're never going to let anyone take you away. You live with me and Nate. You know, it's like, you can't worry about those things. You know, like, I, they, they cut my ears to look for cancer this week. I still got the stitches. And, I, 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 and my wife was so relieved that it all came back by nine. I was like, I never even gave it a second thought. 
I don't have time for it. <laughs> I mean, I got so much going on in my life right now this week. I don't have time to worry about I might have cancer. If they give me the test like, you've got cancer, I'll cross that bridge. And my wife was so happy, like, hey, it came back, no cancer. I'm like, it didn't even bother me 1%. Now, if they told me I had cancer, then I'd start thinking about that. But I, you know, I don't have time to worry about something that I don't even know that tomorrow's bringing. And neither do you. We stay in the moment, looking to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, trusting in his character, and being content with the good things he has for us and the things that really matter, love, people, relationships, life, the human experience with Jesus Christ over it, under the blood of the Lamb, in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is life, and there is no other, because this is the life that Jesus said is abundant life. And it's our Father's good pleasure to meet our every need, but the real issue is the heart. And that's what we want to keep solid and good before the Lord. He's got our back. We're in the trust. We're all in the estate through faith in him. And he wants our treasures to be in heaven. So we just want to be heavenly-minded women and heavenly-minded men that we have that perspective over everything. Whereas we studied in Philippians a year ago, onward, forward, onward, upward. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.